If you have your Bible, I want to ask you to pinpoint two verses of Scripture this morning, and uh, we'll get started. I want to uh, talk to you about a subject that I think and I pray will be a blessing to each of you during this season of, of unrest and chaotic times. Put a finger at uh, Psalm 56, Psalm 56, and then also Isaiah chapter 12. Psalm 56 and Isaiah chapter 12. And uh, we will get started this morning in the precious word of God. I want to speak to you this morning simply on the idea of conquering fear. Conquering fear. I've, I've preached a few messages in my time on fear. This is not one of those. This is uh, something uh, new, something that I've not uh, preached before. And I was, as I was away in June, I was reading a book. And uh, there was a little snippet, a little kind of a story that kind of provoked my thought and idea on a message on fear. And then, to be honest, Darren, you, uh, you scratched that uh, with a text a few weeks ago about doing a message on fear. And so here we are today. We're going to talk about conquering a fear. And the story goes like this. There was a lady who approached D.L. Uh, Moody years ago, the great evangelist of yesteryear, and she approached him and uh, after finding what she thought was the most amazing promise from God's word, she approached D.L. Moody and she said, she said, Brother Moody, Brother Moody, I have found the greatest verse in Scripture that has helped me to deal with fear. And without hesitation, he said, he said, well, what verse is it? And the woman said, notice in Psalm 56, she said, the, the verse is Psalm 56 in verse number 3. And the Bible there says, what time I'm afraid, I will trust in thee. And the woman was celebrating. She said, what time I'm afraid, I'll trust in thee. And without hesitation, D.L. Moody said, I have an even greater promise than that. I have an even greater promise than that. He said, look in your Bible to Isaiah chapter 12 and verse number 2. And Isaiah writes, behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. I'm not going to wait till I get afraid to trust. I'm going to trust so that I won't be afraid. And so, it's very clear to me from the authority of God's word that you and I, we can conquer fear if God is the God of our salvation. And so, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask the Lord to bless our time in his word this morning. Father, we thank you for these verses of Scripture which both rightly encourage our hearts. And Lord, we are certainly living in a day and age of rough waters. Lord, we ask that you would give us wisdom. We ask that you would give us strength. We ask that you would give us compassion and the wherewithal to navigate these waters according to your word and according to your will, God, that we might bring you the honor and the glory that you you all by yourself so richly deserve. Lord, I pray that you'll be with my mouth and the attentions of my heart that you might be honored and glorified in this time. Lord, I pray that if there are those here this morning who need to conquer fear, that they will begin to see that fear doesn't need to be a problem or a factor for them, that God, that they could trust in you and not be afraid. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what it will accomplish in our presence on this day. And we pray this in the most powerful name of your dear son, Jesus. And for his sake, we all said amen and amen. Today, yes, I want to talk to you about conquering fear as we navigate the rough waters of 2020. Last week I said I saw this picture of what 2020 was like on a sliding board. And, and the picture was the, the slide started like this and then went straight down. And, and then I, Travis was telling me uh, in the office that he had actually seen a picture where uh, the 2020 was illustrated by a cheese grater. Uh, a slide that looked like a cheese grater. And certainly we are living in desperate times. But friends, God's word says that there's no reason to be fearful. There's no reason to be frightened. We can conquer fear if God is the God of our salvation. Oddly enough, 
in speaking about the end times, do you realize that in Luke chapter 21 and verse 26, it was Jesus who said that the hearts of men, he said the hearts of men would fail them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming to earth. Certainly, some of the fear that we see running rampant today is due to the hearts of men and women. See, what's happening is we see hurricanes, we see tornadoes, we see natural disasters, we see unrest, we see injustice, we see on and on and on. And we start to see that, well, maybe, just maybe, God is trying to get our attention. I think he is trying to get our attention, by the way. The sad reality is I'm not sure many are paying attention. I think many of us are just looking uh, for some sense of normalcy. But what does that really look like according to God's word? So as we begin this morning, it's important to understand, and I, and I learned this at a very early age, you know that not all fear is bad. There are some good fears. There are some things that are good for us, and I would suggest that there are uh, many fears, and I can't name them all, but there are some things that are good for us to be afraid of. And I remember when I was a child, do you know that, uh, and I'm sure my dad is watching this morning, there were some healthy fears cultivated in me. Yeah, some of you know what I might be talking about. There were healthy fears cultivated inside of me. And it was not time out. Uh, there, was, there was healthy fears. Do you know that I learned to have a healthy fear when my mom uh, taught me when the stove is hot, that's probably not a good time for you to touch it. You know? I remember as a kid, see, when I grew up, and, and I know that for the younger generation that may be here watching, this is not applicable to you, but when I grew up, we didn't have Game Boys. We didn't have uh, uh, Xbox and PlayStation and all kind of games that we just sat inside and played. We had to create our own fun. And so we played stickball, kickball, volleyball, basketball, football, baseball, whatever kind of ball we could find, we were playing it. But I remember being taught about a healthy fear when we did that because, see, what we would do is we would play in our yard. And I remember my brothers and I, we would play what we called tennis baseball at the side of our yard. We would use baseball bats, baseball gloves, but we would have a tennis ball. Why? Because you could hit it further. And I could stand in our yard and we could hit the baseball across the cul-de-sac. And the goal was if you hit the roof of the neighbor's house, it was a home run. But do you know when the ball went out in the street, I could still hear my parents echo, don't run out in the street. Why? Because typically we wouldn't look to see if cars were coming. There was a healthy fear. I remember as a toddler being taught about the healthy fear when I rode my tricycle down the driveway one morning and uh, my brothers, who were much older than I at that time, were playing baseball or tennis baseball, if you please, at the base of our driveway. And as my tricycle hit the bottom of the driveway, the fat end of the bat from my oldest brother connected with my skull and fractured my skull. I never did that again. I had a healthy fear of riding my tricycle down the driveway. My siblings and I, yes, we learned to have a healthy fear of punishment until we could appreciate the opportunity and the value of simply doing what was right. Do you know I think that that happens in the life of believers as well? The Bible gives us some healthy fear all throughout Scripture. And I think we have one slide. I want to encapsulate a few verses right away. Notice the Bible says this in Psalm 111, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you look at Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. In Proverbs 14, 26 and 27, back to back, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. And then verse 27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. And then finally, I love the last one, Proverbs 19, 23 says that the fear of the Lord Lord tendeth to life. And that phrase tendeth to life means that when we have a correct, a healthy, a biblical fear of the Lord, it actually produces godliness. Oh yes, there's some healthy fears. Biblical fears. 
that teach you and I to have a proper respect, a, ta- a proper reverence for God, not a fear that would cause us to run into high. You remember what the wise man Solomon said at the end of looking about in Ecclesiastes, in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse number 13, Solomon said these words. He said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. And what did he say? He said, fear God. Have a right estimation of who you are and a right understanding of who God is. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. But let's go back to Isaiah chapter 12. Look at the verse there in Isaiah chapter 12 and verse number 2 because you see in this verse God's word is speaking about a fear that actually paralyzes. It's a fear that creeps in and causes tension and worry. It's not a biblical fear. It's an unbiblical fear. It's a fear that keeps us locked up and unable to enjoy life. It's a fear that, quite frankly, causes many of us to fear the past, to fear the present, to fear the future. In fact, we're fearful of life and we're fearful of death. And yet God says, no, this is not what I have planned for you. This is not what I desire for you. God Folks, can I tell you right now, God has never wanted any one of us to walk in fear. That's part of the devil's playbook, not God's. The devil wants you to be stifled in fear. The devil wants you to be stifled with worry and anxiety so that you don't move out for the cause of Christ. In fact, over and over in God's word, we see God pleading and telling us to fear not. Do you know that just in the New Testament alone, Notice the Bible says this in Luke chapter 2 in verse 10. I remember when the angels, he, he come, they come to the shepherds and the angel tells the shepherds, the very first thing they tell them when they're about to declare the birth of Jesus Christ is what? Fear not. In Luke chapter 5, Peter, he falls down at Jesus' feet and he says to Jesus, he says, he says, I'm, he falls down in repentance. He says, I'm a sinful man. And the first thing that Jesus says to him in Luke chapter 5 after Peter falls down is fear not. A few months ago, I believe it was on Father's Day that I preached a message to you about Jairus. And Jairus, he comes to Jesus and he wants Jesus to come heal his daughter. And, and if you remember the passage in Luke chapter 8 and Mark chapter 5, the, the, the dialogue that Jesus is having uh, with Jairus is interrupted when the woman touches his garment. You remember. And so there's a little section of scripture where kind of Jairus is like, come on, let's go, let's go. My daughter is sick. I need you to come. She's, she's about to die. Well, if you remember right after that little interchange, the people, the messengers from Jairus's house come and they say, hey, forget it. Your daughter is dead. Give it up. The very first thing that Jesus says to Jairus in both Luke chapter 8 and in Mark chapter 5, he says, fear not. He says, don't be afraid. I think about that, and I think about how Jesus in John chapter 13, he was celebrating the Passover feast with his disciples, and he was teaching them about serving. And then he goes on to talk about the betrayal of one, and then he talks about the fact that Peter will deny him three times because he's telling him, he says, hey, listen, I'm going to go somewhere, and where I go, you cannot go. But if you remember the very first thing that he says after that dialogue, in John chapter 14 and verse number 1, He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Do you know that that phrase, let not your heart be troubled, literally means Jesus was saying, don't be agitated. Don't be troubled at the thought of me going away because you know the beautiful things that come. He begins to teach about eternal life and the Holy Spirit and the promise of the Comforter. Oh, yes. His desire is that we not walk in fear. He wants us to conquer fear, not give way to it or allow it to become a stronghold in our lives. I was reading earlier this week and I was reminded, and and it was the Lord who reminded me, I remembered how John, he's given a glimpse of all the things that one day will be in the book of the Revelation. And in Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 17, notice what John says. He says, and when I saw him, He says, when I got the vision of what was going to come, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand on me, saying, notice what he said. Oh, this is good stuff, folks. He said, fear not. I am the first 
and I am the last. Friends, I could end the message right there. And some of you would probably be happy if I did. If Jesus is the first and the last, and by the authority of God's word, he is, there's nothing to fear. There's no reason to fear. He says, I'm the first and the last. If we're believers, if we're connected to the author and the finisher of our faith, there's no reason to fear. And there's, there's many reasons. A lot of people say, well, you just don't understand my situation. You don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand where I've been and why I'm so fearful. Folks, I'll be honest with you. There's a lot of reasons that cause people to fear. And we could spend all day talking about the various reasons that people are, are, are brought to the brink of fear and anxiety. But let me just share a few with you, and hopefully they'll be enlightening. Some of the reasons that we fear, number one, I believe, is a guilty conscience. Sometimes we fear out of a guilty conscience. I remember I feared that punishment out of a guilty conscience when I was a kid. And do you know that on one certain, one certain uh, situation that I even conspired with my brother and my sister to come up with this beautiful lie that I was going to tell dad and mom. Oh yeah, a guilty conscience can bring about fear. You think about it. You remember what took place back in Genesis chapter 3, don't you? In Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve sinned, they immediately became aware, the Bible says they became aware of their nakedness. They had been created in their nakedness. But they finally become aware of their nakedness in Genesis chapter 3. And what was the next thing they did? Do you remember? Well, first, they broke out their uh, Sears and Roebuck sewing machine. They broke out their sewing machine, the Bible says, and they made themselves uh, uh, aprons of fig leaves. They got creative and they started doing what they had never done before. That's a lesson all to itself. When we do what we've never done before, sometimes it's not always biblical. So they get out their sewing machine to make the fig leaves, but you're right, Linda, they went and they hide. Why do you think they were hiding? Well, they've already thrown it up for you. Look at verse 10. Adam actually says, he says, I heard your voice. We hid. Why? Because I was afraid. That's what happens. You see, when we disobey God, when we disobey his word, it hinders our relationship with the holy, eternal, just God. And what we do we do, what every, we do what every red-blooded kid does at home. Oh, some of you have little ones at home. I'm looking at Anita, uh, uh, Leslie. You got l little Hannah at home. Well, Anita, you had little ones too. Uh, but what sometimes we try to cover up our sin, don't we? That's what they sewed those aprons on for. They tried to cover it up. Then they tried to hide. And here's what happens. When we are dealing with a guilty conscience, we not only cover up our sin, not only do we try to hide, but when we hide, what are we doing? We're isolating ourselves from the very fellowship of the body of Christ that we need to move beyond fear. And this is what they did in Genesis chapter 3. And they became fearful. Oh yes, we hide and we isolate ourselves because we worry about being found out. We don't want anybody to find out what we did or what we said. And so we fear what the consequences uh, may be because of our sin. Folks, let me just say this again. If you haven't got it, it's like a broken record with me. Out of your desires come actions and out of your actions come consequences. Desires lead to action. Action leads to consequence. No different in scripture and no different in our lives. Oh, yes. The simple solution, though, folks for a guilty conscience is actually just seek forgiveness. God is faithful and just, the Bible says, if we confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Oh, I like what the wise man says in Proverbs 16 and verse number six, by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Yes, there's a healthy fear that we can have of the Lord that will keep us from sin. Another thing that causes fear sometimes is ignorance. You say, wow, that's kind of brash. You just said ignorance in church. Yes, I did. Sometimes we fear 
Sometimes we have anxiety. Sometimes we don't trust God because of ignorance. Now let me illustrate what I'm talking to you about. I've told you many times, if you're new here, this may be the first time you've heard this, but I've said many times from this pulpit that as a child I struggled with fear. I was ignorant. I was ignorant. Remember, I've told you how that I would lay in my bed and I would try to make myself as flat as I could so that when the boogeyman or when the monster or when the ghosts came in, they'd get my brother instead of me. And I always remembered to wash my face and my underarms because I thought if I smelled better than my brother, maybe they'd take him. No, I'm just kidding. But that was the fear of ignorance. There was no boogeyman. There was no robber in our house because I'm quite sure that if a robber would have come into our house, my dad would have summarily dealt with it. I'm serious. If he dealt with me, I know he would deal with a robber. Typically, we all like to have control, don't we? We like to be in control. And when we don't feel like we're in control, when we don't feel like we are over top of the situation, then sometimes fear sets in. Another thing that causes fear sometimes is just a, a continuation. It's the, feel, the idea of feeling helpless. Sometimes we feel helpless, like, Lord, what can I do? I'm so fearful of what's going to take place. In other words, some situation or crisis rears its ugly head and we don't know how to manage our own situation. And what happens is because we're weak, because we feel helpless, that actually leads to fear. And do you know that this can even happen in seasons of victory? Do you know it wasn't it right after? And I gave this illustration a few weeks ago. It's not even in my notes, so it won't cost you anything extra. But you remember Elijah after he dealt there on Mount Carmel. The 450 prophets of Baal, he had victory. And then what was the very next thing? He started walking in fear because of what Jezebel said. But I was thinking about another situation in my notes. I remember back in Genesis chapter 14. He's identified in scripture at that point as Abram. Obviously, we know him as Abraham. And uh, in Genesis chapter 14, what you find is kings are fighting. They're doing battle all over the place. And then what happens is the kings... Of, of, of Sodom and the king of Gomorrah, they actually fall. And if you read that passage of scripture, what you'll know is that Lot, Abram's nephew, Lot was actually taken captive in all of his goods. And, and so these kings take him captive. Well, if you read the passage, Abram takes 318 of his own men trained and he attacks four separate kingdoms, four kings and their armies by night. And he, and he wins. He actually uh, uh, wins these battles. He recaptures Lot, delivers Lot, all of his goods, and all of the people back to Sodom and Gomorrah. But obviously in Scripture, because if you read that passage, obviously at the end of chapter 14 of Genesis, Abram must be a little bit fearful because the very first thing that God says to him in a vision in chapter 15, verse number 1, is this. He says, fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Watch it. He says, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Friends, when God is our shield, when God is our great reward, there's no reason to fear. God had just brought, God had just brought Abram through a battle with four separate kingdoms in the middle of the night. Oh, folks, sometimes, sometimes we get fearful after a big victory. Things are going riding high and things are great and then all of a sudden something happens and all of a sudden we're like, what's going to happen? God's not off of his throne. I said in our series a month or two ago that he's not abdicated his throne to anybody else. Oh, yes, yeah, sometimes we feel helpless. All of these things, really, to be honest, all of these things and many more can bring about fear. But I think probably the greatest cause of fear, the greatest cause of fear that I find in Scripture is simply unbelief. Unbelief. When I think about it, unbelief is the greatest cause of fear. I, I'm sure that you remember that fearful episode at the end of Mark chapter 4. You remember Jesus and his disciples are 
out in the boat and they're crossing over. Jesus has said, hey, let's get in and cross over to the other side. They're out in the Sea of Galilee and they're in the boat and the winds and the waves, they start crashing in on the boat and, and uh, fill it so that the boat is about to sink. And you remember the story. Jesus is in the back of the boat asleep on his my pillow. He's back there taking a little siesta. And the disciples, they come to Jesus and they say, aren't you, aren't you afraid that we're about ready to die? They were fearful. By the way, before I go on, they had just experienced such a great season of miracle after miracle after miracle with Jesus. And now the winds and the waves have crashed upon their boat. It was Jesus who said, let's go over to the other side. If Jesus says we're going to the other side, we're going to the other side. See, that's where trust comes in. And so notice what the Bible says in Mark chapter 4, in verse 39 and following. The Bible says, and he arose. <laughs> they woke him up out of his sleep. They said, don't you care that we're about to die? And Jesus gets up. Notice what he does. He doesn't even talk to them at first. It says he woke up, he arose, and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea. That's the God we serve right there. That's the God we serve. He rebuked the wind and he said unto the sea, peace, be still. And notice what happened. The wind ceased and there was a, what does that say there? A great calm. I underlined it in my text. And there was a great calm. And he said unto them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. Notice right there in verse 40 and 41, if we could show that again, verse 40 and 41. Notice he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? But notice verse 41. Verse 41 says, And they feared exceedingly. See the two different types of fear? One is unhealthy in verse 40, and then there's a healthy fear in verse 41, sandwiched right together. You see, these disciples, they had seen Jesus do exceeding abundantly above all that they could ever ask or think, and yet they failed to appropriate the faith they needed to overcome this seemingly desperate situation. Which is why, by the way, that Jesus had to say in verse 41, in verse 40, how is it that you have no faith. How is it that you, my closest followers who have been following me, how is it that you have been watching me and walking with me and learning from me? How is it that you have no faith? It was the American pastor and teacher and prolific author, Warren Wiersbe, who said these words, and I'll tell you, man, I said this a few times last week. I said, man, the old guys used to come up with all the great quotes. Old guys came up with all the great quotes. I was like, man, Lord, are there any quotes left that we can make? Notice what he says. Fear and faith can never be friends. And if we are afraid, it's a sign that we have no faith. That hurts, doesn't it? You see, because it hurts, because I'm guessing like you and me, there have been times that we have not exercised faith, but we have been submerged with fear. You see, the greatest cause of fear is unbelief. At face value, conquering fear can seem like such a difficult thing. Like, Pastor, could you give us 20 points to overcome fear? It's a big deal. I mean, we really need to learn about fear. It can seem so difficult. But Jesus actually gives us the secret to conquering fear back in verse 40 when he says, How is it? How is it that you have no faith? Why are you so fearful? Listen, as simple as it may seem, the secret to conquering fear, first and foremost, is faith in God. You want to conquer fear? You're going to need faith in God. In fact, just at the outset, I put a note out to my notes all week. It said, faith in God, but what does that mean? 
Well, to have faith in God means that a person actually acknowledges God's existence, a person places their trust in him, a person accepts him as he is based on a true understanding of who God is as revealed in his word, the Bible. To have faith in God is the secret, first and foremost, to conquering fear. Notice again our opening texts. David said in Psalm 56, 3, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. At this point, what you have to understand is that David is dealing with fear of King Achish. The Philistines had taken David captive. King Achish of Gath, folks. Does anybody ever remember somebody else coming from Gath? His name was Goliath. Does anybody remember what happened when David met Goliath on the battlefield? We're on the battlefield for our Lord. We're on the battlefield for our Lord. Yeah, you remember David? He declared in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 47, he said, the battle is the Lord's. And yet somehow he says here in Psalm 56, what time I'm afraid I will trust in thee. It's crazy to me. David, why are you afraid? You're the same guy that God used to destroy that evil giant. And yet that's what we find. In contrast, I shared with you Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 2. You see, Isaiah, having seen the effect of redemption as it originates from Jesus Christ, he continues his vision in Isaiah chapter 12. It's a very short chapter, but he continues his vision by saying these words, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength. You can reference Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. He says, he's my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. You see, David said, when fear comes, I'm going to exercise faith. Isaiah said, listen, I'm going to exercise faith so that fear doesn't even come. We, by the way, neither are wrong. If you find yourself a little fearful, then you can follow David's prescription in God's word. When you're afraid, trust the Lord. And if you want to put a barrier around you, you want to plant that hedge of protection around you, remember that God is your salvation. Remember to trust in that God of your salvation. And guess what? If you're trusting, you're not going to fear. Interestingly enough, it's been said that faith is not simply medicine to kill the disease of fear. Faith is spiritual power to keep us from being infected in the first place. Scott Wesley Brown wrote a song, Southern Gospel song, years ago entitled, He Will Carry You. Some of you remember Linda Randall Tate used to come here many years ago. She used to sing that song many times. And Gloria Gaither used to sing it. But the song is entitled, He Will Carry You. And the lyrics are written like this. I'll not try to sing it because of my hoarse voice. But the, Bible, but the song lyrics say, There is no problem too big that God cannot solve it. There is no mountain too tall God cannot move it. There is no storm too dark that God cannot calm it. There is no sorrow too deep. No sorrow too deep that he cannot soothe it. If he carried the weight of the world on his shoulders, I know my brother, and then the next one says, I know my sister, that he will carry you. Oh, that's the God we serve. The God of miracles. The God that we trust by faith, and we walk in faith, not by sight. And when we walk by faith, fear becomes a thing of the past. Oh yes, he can see us through the storms and the fires of life. Look back in Isaiah 12 and verse number two. You see the very first thing that Isaiah says, behold, God is my salvation. By the way, this is where real victory begins. It begins because if God's the God of your salvation, you must have exercised faith. Because it's only by faith that you can accept him. So if God is the God of your salvation, listen, you're on your way to victory over fear, but if the Lord is not your salvation, then fear will always be a factor for you. If the Lord is not your salvation, 
then fear will always be a factor for you. And sometimes fear has a way of actually creeping into the lives of believers. People who, who believe God. Hey, do you know something? Do you know the Bible tells us that the devil actually believes in God and so do his little minions? You can believe in God all you want, but is he the God of your salvation? Believing and knowing are two different things. You see, I remember a story. You say, you got all these stories. Well, they're right here. I remember a story over in Numbers chapter 13. You remember the story, right? That's where God told Moses, because of, by the way, because of their unbelief, you can read Deuteronomy chapter 1, God had already given the children of Israel the land of Canaan, but they had a little bit of fear and unbelief running rampant. And so God tells Moses in Numbers chapter 13, he says, all right, <laughs> you guys are so, I mean, I don't know what I'm going to do with you. He said, send out spies into the land. And you know the rest of the story. They send 12 spies into the land. And they find out that the land is truly a land of plenty. But here's what happens in this passage. You see, when they return, they bring the... The grapes, they got, they've got them carrying them on staffs. The grapes are so big, they're like, I can only imagine the parade. They're like, oh, we, oh, 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 we, oh. And they get there, and the people are like, what? It is a land of milk and honey. But do you know what happened? Only two believed by faith that they could go in and possess the land. You see, the other ten, those ten other jokers, they were exercising faith. You remember, they were so focused on the cities that were walled. They were focused on the children of Anak, the size of the people and the strength of the people, that they exercised fear instead of faith. Do you know that fear actually infects other people around you? No man lives to himself. No man dies to himself. Pastor Skinner used to holler that all the time. So maybe some of y'all wake up and remember. No man lives to himself. No man dies to himself. If you're exercising fear, it's contagious. That's what happened with the nation of Israel at that time. Two people said, let's go by faith. It's our land. Let's go. We're well able to possess it. And ten of them said, no, no, no. We're so scared. You didn't see the walls. You didn't see the people. They all look like Wesley. We can't go in there. A few of them look like Chuck Sisler, too. Folks, can I just say this? God is not against us. God is not against us. He is for us. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 40 and verse 2 that it was God who brought us up out of that horrible pit, out of the miry clay. He set our feet upon a rock. He established our goings. He's for you. Don't walk in fear. Oh, listen, if we hope to conquer fear, the first step will always, always, always have to be a step of faith. And when we, by faith, are trusting God, and here's another little tidbit. You can trust God all you want, but if you're not regularly worshiping God, then I got news for you. Fear is going to be a factor for you. Because if you're not regularly worshiping God, you're going to begin to forget what God has done for you. That's why we gather together to remind ourselves. We look at one another and we say, I'm just a sinner. I'm just a, a sinner that doesn't deserve salvation, but God gave it to me. I love my wife, but she's just a sinner that God loved and gave his life for her. And he probably had a little more joy doing it for her than me. No, he didn't. There's no reason to fear. Proverbs 29, in verse 25, the Bible says, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. He is our safety net. We are safe under the wingspan of Almighty God. His feathers can protect us. Oh, another secret to conquering fear, and i got to wrap this up, is following God's word. 
is following God's word. Not only do we need to have faith in God, but we got to follow God's word. You see, back in Numbers 13 and 14, I can tell you that we saw a number of things happen. We saw the disregard for God's plan, the distorting of God's purpose, the discouraging of God's people. Remember, I said it was contagious. We saw the disbelief of God's promises. who said, hey, you're well able to go get it, and they just didn't believe God. And then we also see the disobedience of God's principles in that one Short story and passage of scripture. But my Bible says, Romans 10, verse 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. At their, after salvation, the more that we get into, the more that we follow God's word, the more that our faith will grow. It was Peter who said in 1 Peter chapter 2, and verse 2, as newborn babies. You know what babies do, don't you? <laughs> they make messes. They cry, they whine, and they make a bunch of messes. But notice what Peter says. He said, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Folks, when we begin to claim the promises of God from his word, fear will begin to fade from our view. In Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 6, it was Moses who encouraged the people in that passage of Scripture. He tells them, he says, Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee. He will not forsake thee. Oh, yes, there's no reason to fear. David said in Psalm 27 and verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And then again, the psalmist said in Psalm 118 and verse number 6, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. Is the Lord on your side today? Then go out of this place exercising faith instead of fear. Oh, yes, the word of God is sharp. It's a powerful weapon that the believer can use to conquer fear. And then the last secret, they're really all connected to the faith in God, to be honest with you. But the last secret is fellowship and prayer. That's why I said a moment ago, not only being in God's word, but regularly worshiping God's word. See, fellowship and prayer are an integral part of conquering fear. The psalmist said in Psalm 34, in verse number 4, I sought the Lord. And he heard me, and he delivered me from what? From all of my fears. See, you can connect that verse all the way over to James chapter 4 that tells us to draw nigh to God, and then God will draw nigh to you. He says, I sought him. I went searching for the Lord. He heard me, and he delivered me from all my fears. It's been said that our fear level is a referendum on the closeness of of our friendship level with God. I like that. Our fear level is a referendum on the closeness of our friendship level with God. Oh, friends, if we've submitted ourselves to the Lord, if we're walking in fellowship with Him, it becomes easier to talk with Him about fear and other things that we struggle with. He knows our makeup. He knows that we are weak, but He also knows that He is strong, able to do all things. I remember in Mark chapter, here I go again, remembering another thing. I remember in Mark chapter 9, you remember a father brings his son to Jesus and he has an unclean spirit. In Mark chapter 9 and in verse number 22 of that passage, the man actually says to Jesus, hey, if you can do anything, listen, if you can do anything for my son, would you have compassion on us? Would you help us? So he goes to him asking him for help. Well, then in verse number 23, Jesus actually responds. He, he says, hey, listen, if thou can believe. He says, Do you, are you going to believe? Because then notice the next phrase. He says, because all things are possible to the him that believes. He says, sir, you're asking me for compassion. You're asking me for help. Jesus says, it's possible if you believe. But notice the very next verse in verse 25 or 24, excuse me. The Bible tells us, and straightway the father of the child cried out. And he said with tears, Lord, I believe. And then notice what he says. He says, help mine unbelief. He says, help me. He says, I struggle with unbelief, but I want to believe. Lord, help me. 
That's our prayer. That's what we need to do. You see, when, when, when we trust God, when we trust Him by faith, when we're following His words, when we're walking in fellowship and prayer, oh yes, those things combined based on our faith in God are going to bring us through seasons of fear. Oh, my friends, at salvation, we are the recipients of the Holy Spirit of God. You seem real excited. We are the recipients of the Holy Spirit of God. Do you know that the Spirit we receive at salvation is God? Let that sink in for a second. At salvation... You receive the Spirit of God, the living God, inside of your breast. Why should we walk in fear? I got God living on the inside. That, does that mean that Greg is perfect? That Greg will never sin? That Greg will never do stupid things? No, just ask my wife. Folks, we have the Holy Spirit of God residing inside of us. Folks, I put down on my notes the Holy Spirit, when he takes up residency in our lives, he can work to take away fear and unbelief. And I'm sure you all have expected me to share this verse from the very outset of the message. But in 2 Timothy verse 1 and verse 7, chapter 1 and verse 7, the Bible says, God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power of love and of a sound mind. You see, the spirit he gave us was the spirit of God, not a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit that can give us power when we feel weak. He gave us a spirit that can generate love when we're acting loveless, which is what I'm seeing a lot of in these day and age which we live. The Holy Spirit can create order and discipline out of chaos. Do you know that 2020 is not a problem for our God? In fact, I believe he's probably putting some of us through the fire. He's trying to see who's going to walk by faith and who's going to walk or succumb to fear. I might get worked up if I'm not careful. The child of God, for the child of God, there's no reason to fear. 1 John in verse, chapter 4 and verse number 18, the Bible says, There is no fear in love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There is no fear in love, but perfect love actually takes fear and actually kicks it out of our life. What are we going to do? Are we going to walk by fear? We got believers that are walking by fear. We got unbelievers that don't know how to walk by faith because we're not walking by faith ourselves. I already did. I'm out of breath. <laughs> maybe, maybe you're still wrestling today. Please hear me. If you're watching online, you're sitting in this room, please know my heart. Maybe you're wrestling today with the greatest fear of all. That's the fear of death. Can I tell you that the reason God sent his son to die was so that you and I would never have to fear death. Jesus conquered death. He conquered the grave. He conquered a horrible, horrible place called hell. Hell was not created for you and me. It was created for that dirty old devil and his minions. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He's a loving God. He is for you. He is not against you. And maybe you're here. And maybe you've been playing church. I don't know. But I know one thing, that if you're struggling with the greatest fear of all, death, can I tell you that the secret to conquering that fear is faith? For by grace are you saved through faith. That is not of yourselves. It is a beautiful, beautiful, what? Gift of God. A gift that I didn't deserve, a gift that nobody deserves. But God says, I love you. I love you so much that I sent my son to take care of the sin that entered into this world back in the Garden of Eden. 
I'm making all things new. But maybe you're a believer. Maybe you're a believer this morning. And you're sitting here, and for you, you're like those disciples in the boat. You're in the boat, and the wind and the waves are filling up the boat. And you feel like your boat's about ready to sink. And what you need is you need the Lord to bring about a great calm. Isn't that what he did? When he rebuked the winds and the waves and he said, peace be still, the Bible says the result was a great calm. Whether you're an unbeliever or you're a believer today, if the need of your heart is to conquer fear, the key ingredient, the secret is simply faith. It's faith in Almighty God. And the way you have faith is to get into God's Word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And the way that you cultivate that faith is by fellowshipping and walking in prayer with God. Pretty simple, isn't it? And yet so many of us struggle with it. I pray that today that we would stop with all the shenanigans, so to speak, and that we would by faith Ask God, God, help me. Help me to conquer fear. It's been a problem in my life for far too long. Lord, help me to overcome the fear of death. Help me to, by faith, trust that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. Help me to exercise faith and to receive Christ as the Savior of my life. Whatever your need is, I pray that you'll do it right now. We're not going to have a long invitation, but I want us to pray together and close our service with a time of invitation. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity that we've had to be together. And Lord, this, this topic of conquering fear is so, so important. You see, the devil wants to keep us from walking in faith. He wants us to be crippled with fear. He wants us to keep our eyes focused on things other than on you. Lord, I pray that today that if there's somebody in this room that has never trusted Christ, if there's somebody worshiping online that has never trusted Christ, that today they will execute faith, that they will begin to conquer fear by, by faith receiving Jesus Christ as Savior of the world. Lord, I pray that if there's a believer here that needs to overcome fear, that they would do that as well. Lord, we pray that you'll have your will and your way during this time of invitation as we open up your altar. God, as we come to your throne of grace and mercy that we might find help in our time of need, Lord. We ask this in the most powerful name of Jesus, our Savior, that you will work as only you can. And we do that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.